Kristen. And I'm Bethany. And this is Looking for the Middle, the Christian girl's guide to modern dating. We're here to help you date with confidence while honoring the Lord and to show you that your identity and contentment are in Christ. We're going to give you the tools that you need to date successfully and be set up well for success in a godly marriage. If you've ever felt like you didn't really belong with any of the extremes in dating today, well, you're not alone. Neither did we. And that's why we're here looking for the middle. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode six of season five. Thanks for being here. We're glad to have you. We are very excited. We are recording this two days before we leave for our beach weekend, and it's rainy and gross in Atlanta, so we are very, 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 very excited to be leaving. (laughs) Counting down. In less than 48 hours. We all keep saying, because we're getting Starbucks, obviously, as soon as we leave, so... (laughs) All four of us are like, if we can just get to the Starbucks, we'll be fine. (laughs) If we can just get to that point. That's like our light at the end of the tunnel. Exactly. So, but in the meantime, we're very happy to be recording another episode for you guys. Yes. So just a couple quick reminders at the top. As y'all know, we always do these. Um, (laughs) If you are not signed up for our newsletter, there is no better time to sign up than now because we are adding a new little section to the newsletter, which is our Hallmark movie of the week. This will not shock anybody that we are doing this. Even if you guys don't care about it, just humor us because we are really excited. Exactly. So (laughs) y'all know we're big Hallmark movie fans and Bethany had this incredible and brilliant idea that I'm very jealous I didn't come up with first. (laughs) And so every week in the newsletter, not only are we going to be giving you future episodes, sneak peeks, blog posts, YouTube videos, podcast episodes to listen to, all the things. We're now going to be recommending our favorite Hallmark movies. And we are only 80-something days from Christmas. So this is really, really crucial timing for you to sign up for this newsletter so that you can enjoy all of the Hallmark holiday movies with us. We've actually been throwing around ideas, too, of somehow figuring out how to do a, like, Hallmark Christmas live watch party something so we're batting around ideas which i think would be super fun maybe we could even just find a hallmark-esque movie on netflix and we could do a netflix party and like send everyone the link like i don't know maybe that would be the best thing but stay tuned we're gonna make it happen somehow or another i like that idea a lot so go sign up for the newsletter so you get all that jazz in your inbox you can Mm -hmm. do that by going to the link in our instagram bio or by going to our website lookingforthemiddle.com and clicking on the newsletter tab at the top Speaking of Instagram, if you're not following us on there, or if your friends aren't, go tell your friends too. Also, you can find us there at LFTM underscore podcast. We're going to be doing a giveaway next month. Well, this month, by the time this airs, (laughs) October. Um, And you can't win if you're not following us on Instagram. So make sure you do that so you're all ready to go for the giveaway. Yep. That's it. Okay, Bethany, question of the day. Okay, are you ready for this? Never. But go for it. This is a super fun one. Okay. Who was your first celebrity crush? No hesitation. <laughs> Justin Timberlake from NSYNC. I had a poster above ah. my bed. It was when he had like the curly fro. Mm-hmm. So looking back, I'm like, he's had way better days. Yes. But I just thought he was oh my something gosh. else. He was so cute. I loved his voice. I had a um, NSYNC concert VHS tape that I watched oh, wow. all the time, which will totally <laughs> date me. Um, but yeah, he was... Oh, <laughs> which now like he's cute but he's, he's not, not anywhere yeah. close to the top of it my list dance now moves. That's it, what was. it was he could dance he could sing he was cute he had that little like swag mm-hmm. to- yeah so that was mine okay so who's- follow-up question okay who's your current celebrity crush oh man <laughs> um i'll give you a couple 
Oh, okay. <laughs> well, Mark Lucas, obviously. Yes. Um, which he's way older than me, so we'll try to knock it down to like normal age. Um, <laughs> like it's possible ever. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Dansby Swanson. Okay. That's and, what I thought you would say. Yeah. Um, but yes. Those are good ones. Those are good ones. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Who are yours? Past and current. Uh, my first, I had a couple that I'm, I don't remember really who was first. It was a long time ago. Okay. Um, Zach from Saved by the Bell. Mark oh, Paul Gossler. Like, such a good answer. I didn't he, even watch Saved by the Bell that much when I was oh young, but gosh, like, yes. he was, yeah, he was up there. So I watched Saved by the Bell all the way through last uh-huh. year for the okay. first time. I didn't watch it at all yeah. growing up. And I was like, if he loved Jesus, this would be <laughs> like, this is the embodiment of everything I'm yes. looking for in a person. <laughs> so, so, yes. He was answer. one. And then um, going back to well, how much sports are always a part of life chipper jones was like really yeah when i was i mean really young okay i grew out of that one but <laughs> he he was a crush then okay. um current probably doesn't surprise anyone if they know me is idris elba i'm <laughs> mouthing is, like it mouthing it as she's saying it oh my gosh yes so yeah I'm not, i don't even have to say anything else about that well like, i still need to see him in something positive because all i have him pictured as is charles minor from the office i don't even I, see that as a negative i did i can't stand well he didn't like jim and you go up against but jim halpert beautiful i don't care <laughs> jim halpert is oh my gosh um, oh yeah yeah so anyways i need I, to i need a new context for okay i'll find something yeah we'll figure i'll, I'll that suffer out. through watching something else with you <laughs> yeah take one for the team yes okay, okay. So for today's episode, we have actually had several questions come in on our couch cast form from Instagram that are about learning from past breakups. And like, it, it wasn't enough to where we could do like different couch casts about them, but they were kind of different enough questions that it wasn't all the same question. I'm just saying question a lot now, <laughs> but so we wanted to put them all together and make an episode about learning from heartbreak and the lessons we've learned and the steps we've taken. And so this is basically just going to be those questions and then our responses to them in long format. <laughs> yes. And if y'all been around for a while, then you know, back in season three, we did an episode called Navigating Heartbreak and Disappointment. And in that episode, we had somewhat recently both gone through breakups. So that was more geared towards actually getting through a breakup and getting your heart broken, what we had just walked through. And it was very much tied to that particular time in our life. Whereas this episode, we're looking across our dating history as a whole and kind of what we've learned, what patterns there have been and not necessarily how to get through a breakup, but what we've learned from it and hopefully what we can help y'all learn without having to actually go through the breakup part. Uh, (laughs) Maybe we did that part for you in some, to some extent. So If you want to check out that episode, if you haven't already listened to it, it's episode 23 of season three. Um, But, and we'll put it in the newsletter. Yeah. So. Okay. So our first question here that we're going to tackle is, have there been recurring themes surrounding the breakups either of you guys have experienced? (laughs) So Kristen, (laughs) you want to go first here? Sure. (sighs) This was the easiest question for me to answer because I was like, absolutely (laughs) there have been, uh, patterns or themes so the first one I have two the first one is prioritization differences so basically what I was prioritizing and what the guy I was with was prioritizing were very different they didn't line up super well and that caused a lot of tension in our relationship um and that has to kind of do 
with commitment sometimes, but it doesn't always have to be the case. Yeah. So there were times when I was really wanting to prioritize the relationship of like, hey, this is really important. I want to be really serious. And he was maybe not as committed. And so that, I mean, there was one particular case where that was the reason we broke up. Um, so that was kind of, that's probably the biggest theme I've had, unfortunately. I think sometimes with that, talking about commitment is it's not a matter of, well, he doesn't want to commit to things. It may be a matter, going back to talking about prioritization too, it may be a matter of he's committed to a lot of things. And does your relationship get prioritized in that commitment list Mm -hmm. or does it fall by the wayside? And so it's not always just, will he commit to something? It's how does he prioritize the things he is committed to? That's a great point. Because when we, this one particular guy, when we broke up, I specifically said to him, I said, hey, I think it's great that you're going after this goal or Mm -hmm. that you're pursuing this part of your life. There's nothing wrong with that. But I don't think it's fair for you to be in a relationship while you do that if this is how, like, the relationship's going to fall super Mm -hmm. far down the line and I'm just kind of getting your leftovers at this point. I said it nicer than that, I promise. Um, (laughs) But you're exactly right of it may not be, oh, he's a commitment phobe. It's just oh, he's committed to other things or he's more committed to other things, whereas your priority is the relationship. Mm -hmm. And if that doesn't line up, it's going to be really difficult for the relationship to work. Yeah. And distance can play into this at times, too. And that was another factor with this one particular breakup that was really hard is it's one thing if you're committed to a lot of things, but you live 15 minutes from Mm -hmm. each other because then there are these little spurts of time that you can kind of squeeze in when you're busy or when you're going through a busier season. But if you live four hours away, you're having to be so much more intentional with blocking your time. Mm -hmm. And if that keeps getting kind of pushed to the wayside, things are going to crumble. Yeah. If you're in the same place, more than likely there's times and places where your paths cross naturally. Mm -hmm. Like some of those other commitments will most likely be things that you do together on a lot of times. Yeah. And so there's extra time built in. Whereas, when it's so segmented, it's hard to then go back and try to weave in those overlaps. Yeah, because you're like, if you, for instance, if you're living in the same town, you're probably going to church together. Exactly. You're seeing each other's families together. You're, you know, I don't know, fill in the blank. You're working out together. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So those little different, not little, those rhythms I guess yeah of your life that's more easy to weave those in together whereas if you're in a completely different state or part of the country or even a city and you've got an hour or two between you you're segmenting time just for them Mm -hmm. that where you can't really do a whole lot of other things so it makes it difficult when your priorities are different yeah and then the second theme and this didn't sound like a theme around a breakup or a heartbreak at first but stick with me so (laughs) is different conflict management styles. Okay. So, for instance, I am not one to bring up confrontation. Y'all probably know this if you've been listening long (laughs) enough. I will have confrontational conversations when they need to happen. I do not like being the one to bring them up. And if someone else says, you're like, oh, good. I'm yes, hoping we would talk exactly. about this. Really, honestly, though, I'm like, thank the Lord. You said something first. Now I can talk about it. Um, so, I dated guys where ultimately they didn't ever really bring it up either. And so handling 
conflict and then even handling the breakup was tough mm. because yeah we nobody wants to. yeah nobody wants to talk about it it gets prolonged um you're not getting to say everything you want to say and it just made it more difficult so it may not have been the reason why any of those things happened but it complicated it when mm-hmm. those did happen yeah and I was actually talking to my mom about this at the pool <laughs> last week, um, where I was like, I really would like to be with somebody who, not that's just looking for a fight, but someone mm-hmm. who doesn't mind instigating those conversations or maybe instigating, initiating. That's yeah. probably a less <laughs> like uh, fighting word. Yeah, combative word. Um, but initiating those conversations mm-hmm. to where he'll be like, okay, hey, what's what's going on or hey we yeah. need to talk about this or hey we're not going to let this simmer for two weeks before we say anything let's you know get mm-hmm. going here and <laughs> um I'm really trying to be diligent and looking for that not to say it's a deal breaker if he's not that way but I think it would be really great for our relationship if he was because I know that's a weakness of mine yeah and for you and you're not the only person that this is a sticking point for because you or anyone else who struggles with this if you are with someone who doesn't mind bringing those things up and does it in a non-combative way over time, I think inevitably that will be easier for you to then maybe not with everyone, but with that person to be able to bring those things up because one, you've seen it done and two, you've seen the result of it. So, you know, okay, here's how to go about this. And it will get easier to just say those things because you know, they're willing to do the same. That's a great point. Cause I think about the people in my life who, I mean, you're more like that, and my mom is like that. I'm learning I have a lot of people with really strong personalities <laughs> in my life, which I love. Well, you don't think about it. No. Until, like, it's just Until you're with normal. somebody that's not. Until, so, yeah, you get yeah. used to that. And, like, now, you and I, you're much more prone to bring something up to me. Yeah. And I don't... we really... have before. Yes. Yeah. And I know that... I know your approach to it. Exactly. And I'm almost trying to, like, match you in a way of, mm-hmm. like, this is gonna... This is how this will best go. Instead of, like, we talked about in last week's episode, two weeks ago? I can't remember. I listened to it this morning, but we're so ahead and where we're recording. I don't know where anything's falling. But how I'm the beat around the bush compliment mm-hmm. sandwich person. And it's like, no, just say what's on your mind and let's not waste. You said waste words. I was like, that's yeah. a perfect way to say it. And let's go. And so I think that's super valuable yeah. if you are more like me, where that's not your go-to finding somebody who is like that will make a lot of your confrontations in your relationship at least a little easier to bring up and then address instead of kind of waiting letting it simmer yes not bringing it up at all (laughs) which is the worst possible thing but that was mine I think that's good second one what about you okay I did too as well the first one is that talk is cheap and I don't go with me for a second (laughs) because I don't mean that that's just that was the phrase that popped into my head. And I was like, okay, I'm going to need to explain this. I don't mean that the guys were manipulators. I don't mean that they were going around talking out of both sides of their mouth. But my point is that if you only listen to what someone says and it could be from the best place of, Oh, I want to do this and I want to be better at that. And I know I need to work on this and all these things that sounds great. And it, they may 100% mean it. But if you don't evaluate how they're actually walking out those words, regardless of their best intentions, then I think you end up staying in something longer than you need to sometimes. Mm. And so I, I, 
I don't know. I don't normally think of myself as a pushover, but I think I can be because I'm like, give them the benefit of the doubt, benefit of the doubt, benefit of the doubt over and over and over past when maybe you should be. Yeah. Um, I think your intentions, I think seeing your growth over the past couple of years and how when we first started this, you were like, I am always the skeptic. Like, this is my role in dating. Yes. <laughs> I am standing up for all the skeptics uh-huh. out there. But then you're combating that. Like, I don't want to be skeptical. Mm-hmm. I don't want to wait for this. But then there's also, and I think you've, through your, you know, breakups have learned, okay, there's the medium here of, I yeah. don't, like you're saying, you don't want to give them too much of the benefit of the doubt where you're just letting them continue to say things that they don't actually back up (laughs) but you're doing it with the good intent of I'm trying not to be skeptical yeah I'm very cut and dry yes yeah yeah. and so I think your intentions behind that are so good and I think that you've really come a long way in finding okay here's the middle ground here balance yeah yeah because that's I know I'm that way I know I'm very all or nothing the first little thing I'm like, Oh, nope, it's not going to work because of this and be done. So I know that about myself. And so then in an effort to combat that I swing way the other way. And so I'm like, okay, what's realistic here. But anyway, Mm -hmm. that's one that I have noticed as like a recurring thing. And I think this is where you have to be. And I say you, because I'm talking to you guys, but trust me, I'm talking to me too, (laughs) that you have to be solid in your foundation and your identity being in Christ because you have to have that settled in order to be able to let go of that this guy who's saying all these really nice things, but it's just not being backed up and you can't and I, you know you can't find that middle place because a lot of times it would be easier to just have someone in your life. It's nice to have someone there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have to really have that foundation set. So anyway, that's the first one. The second one is the flip side of that, which is that talk is also everything. <laughs> I love the theme yes. that you <laughs> woven through the themes questions. Yes. Good. So we talked about this a couple of weeks ago or last week, like you said, they all run together. Mm-hmm. But one, this is just over time. One of the absolute top things that I'm looking for someone now is someone who is able and willing to communicate well. And mm-hmm. that's what we talked about a couple of weeks ago is that Subtle difference is everyone's able to communicate well, but not everyone is willing to put in the effort to do that. And I have seen really in every relationship I've ever been in communication, it has looked different. It has manifested itself different ways, but communication breakdowns and an unwillingness to work on them have been the start of the fall of all of them because all relationships run into problems, but if you can communicate and work through them, you're better, obviously you're better off, mm-hmm. but you are more set up for success. I think, whereas if you hit those problems and you're dealing with someone who in one way or another is unwilling to communicate enough to get through that, you're never going to get through it, which means the relationship cannot flourish and progress. So that's something that I have seen manifested in numerous different ways, but it has been a contributing factor, I think, throughout all of them. So that's like top notch for me right now. Yeah. And I think something for y'all to think about as you're listening to this episode, the different things we're pointing out that, okay, I learned that maybe I'm looking for someone who's more like this or I'm looking for this. 
be careful that you're not looking for something that you're not doing yourself yes. or that you're not growing in yourself. Because I think about your word for this year is willingness, isn't it? Yes. Which I think it's funny. No, um, it's not. In, <laughs> in a good last way. year. In no, good... it was last year. Oh, it was last this year? This year's purposeful. Purposeful. because it's not intentional. Oh, you're right. Yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. So willingness, though, for that to be her word and then for her to say, okay, I'm looking for someone who's also implementing mm-hmm. willingness in different areas of their life. She's not just like, oh, I'm expecting this from you. And then I'm going to sit here and you're going to be willing to do everything I want to do. Like exactly. it's a, this is a two way thing. And so, yes, we're going to talk about what we've learned from our heartbreak, but it's really important that when you're kind of debriefing, when you've gone through a breakup or my mentor yesterday called it doing an autopsy on a relationship, <laughs> which I loved that analogy. I was like, that's my true yes, crime self was DOA like, DOA at that point. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, kind of picking apart, what'd you learn? How'd you grow? What would you do differently? What would you do the same? Like that reflects on you too. This isn't just how can I point the finger at what he did or what I want the next guy to do. It's no, what can I take from this? How can I grow? What can I learn? Which we'll get to in the other questions. Mm -hmm. But really, I would encourage you to have a two or a double perspective, whatever. That's a terrible way to say it. But basically, (laughs) like, as much as you're looking out, make sure you're looking into. 100%. So, okay. So let's move to the next question, which is, what are the specific lessons that breakups have taught you both? Okay. Go ahead. Are Bethany. we ready for this? Yes. Okay. Yes. Go I for it. I think I've I've been trying to figure out how to. And when we first started talking about doing this episode, I was like, okay, I have this nebulous concept, but I don't know how to put words to it. So I'd been thinking about it, and the th- kind of the the summation that I came to is one of the things that I've really learned is that in order to experience heartbreak, you have to give someone the power to break your heart. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> There you go. Okay, keep talking. So there's a lot of relinquishing control that happens with that. And not only giving up. I mean, it's one thing to give up control. It's another thing to then give it to someone else. Mm, Does that make sense? Yes. Um, and in this, in a, in a way, I you're giving someone else the power over your feelings. Not in that, well, I'm going to be angry and you made me. That's... That's on you. Like, I'm not saying someone can control your feelings, but you were given someone the power over if they could break your heart. That is a power over your feelings, which is not something that comes naturally to me. Kristen will tell you <laughs> it is not. Nope. Um, and so it honestly took me a long time to even get to a point where being heartbroken and then being able to learn from it, which is what we're talking about, was even an option. And so I wanted to reread that C.S. Lewis quote that you talked about. It's probably been a few weeks ago at this point. I don't remember. No, it was last week. Was it last yep, week I heard from it this? this morning. Okay. Yes, I think it was okay. like a week or two. I can't remember. So did- <laughs> it was the, um, the, clear, the as mud? clear as mud episode. Okay. So, yes. So this was a C.S. Lewis quote from his book, The Four Loves. And what it says is, to love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give it to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, 
motionless, airless. It will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. To love is to be vulnerable. And I've heard that quote for years. I love, I love it. it so much. Um, but What's l- funny though is we love it, but what it's saying, yeah. we don't. We're like, I don't. No. That's I love terrifying. it because it's a reminder: don't be, you know, unbreakable, impenetrable, mm-hmm. irredeemable. Because left to my own devices, that's what I would tend to. Mm. Um, and so that's that's something that I've learned over however long but it took a long time to like to be able to take all of those things and pinpoint it into something that's like okay now this is actionable this is something that I can learn and grow from yeah and it's hard because it's one thing to get your heart broken once and then get to the point where you're like okay I'm ready but the more times it happens you start thinking, okay, I'm over this. Like, yeah. this is not a fun feeling. I don't want to do this again. In the big and the little things. Yeah. And so the longer that you're dating, the more most likely this is going to happen. And mm-hmm. therefore, it's going to be even more tempting for you to close yourself off and to mm-hmm. put up those walls of, I don't want to get hurt again. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't want to feel like that. And I remember, I think we talked about this in the Navigating Heartbreak and Disappointment episode where... I literally remember having the thought of, I never want to feel like this again. This is terrible. I've never been so sad and cried this much (laughs) in such a short amount of time. And oh my gosh, if I have to go through this again, I don't know what I would do. I would rather be by myself. Yes. And yeah. Because you, and you find yourself start to say, starting to say stuff like that when you've just gone through a breakup of, gosh, why did I complain about being single? At least (laughs) no one can hurt me when I'm by myself. But then you're like, wait, what? Because yeah. in a different scenario, I was like, oh, I just wish I could be with something. Like, you know, it's a catch-22. Uh-huh. But it's, you know, when you really think about it, that you don't want to be locked in yeah. the casket of your selfishness. Right. But at the same time, you're like, gosh, it's terrifying to think that I could get hurt like that again. It's kind of like the old cliche saying, it's better to have loved and lost than to never love at all. And... It's sometimes you're like, eh, I'm not sure. about that. But you don't learn these things if you haven't gone through that loving and losing. Mm-hmm. And so I, I do think that's true. Who would have thought you would have been the one to bring <laughs> up know, that quote? Right? I am so proud. Gosh, I'm so proud. I've come a long way. You really have. Okay. So I have a couple more, but they won't be quite so long and drawn out. Okay. So the second one is, the second lesson that I've learned is, Just because you are the one to end something doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. And that's okay. Preach. Um, Because, and I will say before I was in that place, I thought, I had that thought of like, okay, well you, you know, you ended it like you're fine. Like it's no big deal. Or I I didn't ever say that, but I didn't ever really give thought to, oh, they may be really struggling as much too. Because you think, oh, well they got to a point where they were over it and done and they broke up. It's not always the case. And even if it is, it doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. And it can kind of be a little bit like piling on when you're going through something like that. And then everyone's like, oh, well, you know, you ended it. And it's kind of like saying, well, yeah, you're good to be rid of him. And you, you go girl and all this stuff. I'm like, no, no, I don't want to. Yeah. (laughs) Well, because I think we assume that just because like, if I'm the one to end it, then I wanted it to end. Right. And that's not always the case. Exactly. 
So yeah, that's a, that was a, that's a good reminder. Yes. And then, um, the last one I've talked about this a lot before over episodes, but I have learned that my and your quote unquote type isn't always what's best for you. There may be things that you're like, Oh, I've always wanted this, or I'm really attracted to that. Um, and then you get that thing in someone and you're like, Oh, that doesn't really quite work out how I was envisioning. And it's funny because even after that, you're not just not attracted to that thing anymore. So it's kind of like this, you know, the mental self-control to say, okay, I find that very attractive. And I thought I always wanted whatever that thing is, but I know how that works out. So let's temper this a little bit here. Yeah. So those were my, my lessons learned. So good. So what, good. What are yours? What are mine? My first one is that it's not expecting too much to want to be in a relationship with someone who prioritizes me. And it took me a really long time to get to this point because going back to the theme of different priorities, when our relationship wasn't being prioritized by, you know, these guys that I was dating, I assumed I was expecting too much. I was like, oh, well, I must have too high of expectations or maybe I'm demanding too much of him and maybe I'm being needy or clingy or high maintenance or whatever. But then I would look at other successful relationships around me. I'm like, well, they're prioritizing each other just fine. So why can I not seem to find this? And it finally clicked. It was like, this is not too much to ask Mm -mm. for. And I think as girls specifically, we are so worried about being seen as needy or high maintenance that we try to convince ourselves that, oh, well, I don't need to ask too much and it's okay if I'm fourth, fifth, sixth down the list. But that doesn't mean that we just take what we get and roll with it. Like (laughs) you're not, you know, you don't need to settle for somebody's leftover time and energy. Mm -hmm. Like you want to be with somebody who wants to be with you. And that means making you a priority. So if you are like me and you've struggled with this, then just hear me when I say there's nothing wrong with you wanting to be important in a guy's life and wanting to date someone who makes your relationship a priority. You're not expecting too much. You're not being needy. You're not asking for the moon. You're just wanting to be in a committed, prioritized relationship. And it is possible. And it is, I was having um, lunch with a friend the other day and she got married a couple years ago. And she told me, she's like, when it's the person, they will not question prioritizing you. Like that's been such an exception to all the other guys I've dated. And I was like, that's so good. Thank you so much. Um, So just don't, don't believe the lie that you're expecting too much in that sense. I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Some too, in that talking about believing that lie or, you know, getting someone's leftover time, that guy may be telling you, okay, I know I need to do better. This week's just been really crazy. I'll do better next week. Like make plans this, that or the other. That talk is cheap. It's kind of a perfect example of what I meant earlier is most of the time he's not saying that knowing he's not going to do it. He sees the reality of what you're saying and he knows you're, you're right about it and that he needs to prioritize better. He's like, yes, I do want to do that. But then when the rubber meets the road, does he actually walk that out and prioritize better? Or is he just saying it even with the best of intentions? That's true. That's and that's when point. you get to that do or die point kind of yeah well yeah because I remember one 
particular relationship, we had had a couple conversations about that. And he would say, you know, you're right. I need to do better. I know I haven't been prioritizing you. I'm going to work on it and would say it, say it, say it. And then actions were not backing up what he said. And then ultimately the relationship ended. So you're absolutely right. It's again, not just saying you will, but being willing to put in the work to do it. Exactly. And then my second lesson that I have learned from my heartbreaks, breakups, all the things, <laughs> is that it's important to be on the same page about the important things. Yes. And if you're not, it can be absolutely detrimental to the relationship. And now, obviously, faith is an assumed thing here. I'm not, I'm not even suggesting you date anybody where you're not on the same page with your faith. But when it comes to really getting serious in a relationship with a guy where you share the same faith and values with all that what what are your thoughts and where are your um where are you headed as far as your goals and your work you know if he's headed down one path and for him to head down that path you're basically gonna have to put your entire life on hold that's something you need to think about before <laughs> yeah. you just start dating him or if your job is super demanding and you know that's there's gonna have to be some give there on his side for you to be able to do what you want to do You've got to make sure you're on the same page with those things. Because if you're not, you're going to fight all the time. You're going to have a (laughs) lot of conflict and hard conversations and miscommunications probably. And there's going to be a lot of junk that's happening if you're not on the same page with those things. And so as soon as you can or as soon as you start to see tension in those areas, talk about them. And don't just assume, oh, when we get married, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Because that's super tempting to think, oh, we're just dating now. Well, you're leading Where towards going? marriage. Yes. If you're dating with the intent to marry the person you're with, which is 95% of you listening, I would hope at least, <laughs> if not more. Um, so really try to have those conversations early on and then decide, okay, yeah, his job is super demanding and we may have to move a lot or we may have to do this. Am I okay with that? If you are, great. If you're not, it's not a bad thing for you to walk away. Yeah. And, and it would be better to sooner rather than later. Exactly. If you know if you know that it's not going to work down the road, don't keep going. Don't get more and more entangled. Don't get more and more serious. Because we all do this. We think, oh, I'll change him. I'll change his mind. If he just sees how great and wonderful I am, then he'll want to give up whatever, whatever, whatever. And then you get to that point and he's like, I I told, like, I told you this was what I wanted. And you don't have anyone to blame but yourself at that point, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. And so, yeah, sooner rather than later, if it's, if you've reached that impasse of knowing, okay, we can't compromise on this, or this is not something where we can give and take a little, then you're better off to end it mm-hmm. as much as you may not want to then. Yeah, exactly. And this also comes into play with family expectations. Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean, this will probably be a later on conversation, not like four weeks into your relationship. But, <laughs> you know, how do you want to raise your kids? How do you want kids? How many, how how many, many do, do you want? want? Um you know, discipline, school, all the, I mean, there are a million different directions and obviously there'll be parts of that that might change depending on what you have the kid. I mean, my my mom didn't even want kids and she had five. So, (laughs) you know, Lord can do some miraculous works in our hearts, but 
don't assume, oh, we disagree on everything about family. And then when we get married, it'll happily just work (laughs) out. No, you need to have those conversations. And because if he wants eight kids and you want two and no one's willing to budge. Yeah, then there's going to be some some issues there. And same with, you know, all the other things that impact. And this may kind of um, kind of weave into his job, too. But do you want to stay in the same place? Or are you willing, like, if he has a job that does move around a lot or that, you know, may relocate or that he travels a ton, what does that look like with your family once you have kids? So this is, again, this will be more later when you're yeah. really thinking, okay, I could most likely marry this guy but they're not things that you should ignore and so really take the time to talk through those things and to get on the same page because you're going to set yourself up for some heartbreak yeah down the road if you don't such a good point yes i agree completely thanks no problem (laughs) okay (laughs) mutual admiration society over here yes okay (laughs) so last question here is How have you guys actively worked to address the lessons you've learned from heartbreak so you don't do the same thing in your next relationships? This was probably my favorite question on the list. I was like, (laughs) dang, this is good. Um, So I have three things and I won't talk for 20 minutes and then I'll be like, gosh, I'm just sitting over here wishing I had something else to do. Um, The first thing I would say is that I have prayed for my husband in new and different ways as a result of going through heartbreak and learning the lessons that I have. So whether that's different things I'm looking for and praying for now that I wasn't before, or whether it's um, seeing things that like, okay, I've dated guys who have struggled with certain things. So let me start praying for my husband now that, okay, First of all, Lord, may he not struggle with those things. But if he is, help him through that. Put people in his life. Fix him now. Yeah. Put people in his life too. And I do pray for like my husband to have mentors and like godly people in his life and people that are pouring into him. And each relationship that I have come out of, I have come with a new, whether it's one or five things. Hey, I'm going to start praying about this. Or I never even thought about this Mm -hmm. till I dated this guy. Or, hey, I really liked this quality. So, and I didn't have that on my list before so now we're gonna pray for it um but I think praying for my husband either in new or different ways is something that I've Mm -hmm. done more and more after each breakup another thing that I've tried to do is to invite other people in when I have gone through a breakup so not just for the sake of crying and eating ice cream not by (laughs) myself which that's really helpful too but you know asking the wise people around me hey, what do you think I should take from Mm -hmm. this? Or were there things that you saw that I should pay attention to moving forward? Or when I went through my last breakup, that was the third guy that I'd see the commitment prioritization thing show up. And so I asked my mentor, I was like, Thea, what am I missing? Or what am I attracting? Or what am I not doing right where this has been the same thing every single time? I think any time that you see a pattern like that, even if it's not in you, that pattern was not something you did, but you keep seeing it pop up. I think anytime you see a pattern like that, you should always step back and say, okay, what role do I play in this? Be that self-reflective. And I see, I see this a lot with girls who 
they're like, okay, maybe it's in an online dating context or whatever. And it's like guy after guy after guy after guy always has this problem or it's always, he never does this. A lot of times people say, well, they, they just never ask any questions or they never, whatever. And they may not, it, I'm not saying it's on you. I'm just saying anytime you see this pattern over and over and over, step back and say, okay, what am, what am I missing? What am I doing to attract this problem over and over and over? Like, mm-hmm. what is it? What is it that I'm not seeing? What could I be doing differently? What could I say differently? What questions could I ask differently to figure this out? Because if you just throw your hands up and say, okay, fine, every guy's like this, you're never going to get anywhere because then all guys are like that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. How are you going to get around that problem? You exactly. Know? So I think yeah, it's very important to take that step back and be a little self-reflective and say, okay, what can I do to change the outcome that I keep getting? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that I was really, especially after that third one, I was like, okay, <laughs> fool me once. Yeah. <laughs> Strike one, pull me twice. Strike, Strike three. three. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, I really didn't want to go through that again. And so, like you said, even though it may not have been on my side of things, what is my part mm-hmm. in trying to not go through a similar situation and inviting other people in to help you process that? People, again, this is where having wise people in your life is so critical because I'm not talking about as much as we love a good you know bash session with the girls of (laughs) oh my gosh he was the worst and you're so much better without him like I don't really even think that's a good idea we all have one of the I'm not gonna say I don't do that because there's at least one conversation after breakup or you you know you have that but that's not a good thing to stay in no that's that setting so go to the wise friends, the mentors, your parents, your small group leader, whoever, and really try to do the autopsy mm-hmm. on the relationship and figure out, okay, what do I need to take from this? What do I need to do differently? Um, and give them the space and the freedom to help you do that. Yeah. Well, if you think about an autopsy, who does the autopsy? The coroner. Who is trained who has experienced, who has seen these things before, right? Mm. It's not the mother or the sister of the person who just died. Because... I like this. Keep (laughs) I like this a lot. I didn't even think about this. They're too close to that. Mm. And they have no experience. They have no training. They don't know what they're looking at. But someone who, like we've talked about before, is a step ahead of you in life, who is a stage ahead, who has seen this before, who has gone through it before themselves, who has that experience, can look at this dead relationship Mm -hmm. objectively and say, Hey, here was a problem. There was a problem. This probably led to the demise of this relationship. That's as opposed to you who are going to look at it and say, well, I didn't do anything wrong. Obviously (laughs) it was all his, I mean, no, no, no. I know what you mean, but we obviously always look at ourselves in a better light than we should. Right. So in the same vein, you want someone else to corroborate your observation of what Mm -hmm. happened. That's such a good point. And then the last thing I will say as far as what I'm doing to address the lessons I've learned is that I ask more questions early on. So this kind of takes in the last point that I just was talking about. But for instance, if I ask a guy what his goals and dreams are, then I'm getting an idea of where is he headed? What's his trajectory? 
what's his, I'm not asking for a five-year plan. It's not a job interview, (laughs) but you know, kind of, that's a very broad, curious question. That's Mm -hmm. very innocent as far as what you're asking, but you learn a lot from that question. And so if he's got a very self-focused, not, not in the selfish, like mean way, but he's single. So being self-focused is kind of what you're used to. And so if he's like, oh, well, I want to do this and I'm going here and this is my career and blah, 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 then that's something for me to pay attention to. Where if he's like, well, I'm in this job now because I really think it sets me up well to have a family one day. Then I'm like, oh, okay. You've thought about it. Yes, you've thought about it. So it's asking those kinds of questions earlier on is going to, again, we talk a lot about like second date is not the time to ask about. <laughs> super super family planning yeah family planning there you go (laughs) but the you know you can still in the early stages kind of weave in these broader questions to get an idea at least of what he's thinking where he's headed and if you realize okay wow we are headed in totally different directions or we have completely different plans and there is a sense of I want to be careful in how I say this If you feel really strongly that the Lord's leading you to do something and you meet a guy and he doesn't really fit, that's okay. Mm -hmm. But, you know, don't think, oh, well, I've got this and I feel really confident, but this guy seems so I'm just going to put this aside and go, you know, really pray about that before you just up and walk away from Uh something you feel like the Lord's leading. Because either the Lord may be leading you to do that and you're not going to be in a relationship at all while you do it, or he may be thinking, oh, you're going to be with a different person because this guy lines up better with this. But it's okay if, I think we even talk about that, it was a long time ago. I don't remember, couldn't tell y'all what episode, my memory's (laughs) not that good. But how if your calling is, or you feel like the Lord's leading you one way and this guy feels like the Lord's leading him in a different way, that's fine. You just don't have to, you don't have to move forward. A lot of people will talk about this when like there are people who really feel called to international missions. That's Mm -hmm. a very specific calling. I personally don't feel that. Yeah. So not to say I'm totally off, but but you get the point. So if I met a guy and he's like, oh, I want to go be a missionary in India. I'm like, more power to you. Good job. (laughs) Like praying for you. This is great. I don't think we're headed in the same direction. That's okay, uh-huh. but you want to ask questions early on so you can figure that out mm-hmm. without being, you know, creepy and invasive. Yeah, ask, well, and ask questions and find these things out so that then, as you're praying and seeking the Lord for this relationship, you know, you have those specific things to pray about. Mm-hmm. Because may, I've never really had this, you know, call desire for international missions either. But I also know that there's a, a decent amount of that that is because I'm really comfortable in my life here. Mm-hmm. And so I would like if I met a guy who checked all these boxes and he was like, I'm going to, yeah, India in two years, you know, the Lord is really calling me to this. Then I would have to say, OK, can I honestly say the Lord's not pushing me to do this or do I just really like my mm-hmm. comfort here? And it may be that. God uses this guy to change and shape your desires. And so you have to, like you were saying, being careful how you say it, you have to be really careful in how you look at things too, of maybe God is wanting you to step out and out of your comfort zone and out of your just 
comfort mm-hmm. and you never know. Yeah. So it's a it's a fine line to walk there. It really is. And I think that if you're the Lord knows where your heart's at. Yeah. And he knows where you're coming from. So if you're coming to him from a place of, okay, Lord, I've asked these questions like you were saying. I want your best. If if you still want me over here and this guy's going this other direction, fine. You've made that. You make that clear. If not, though, if you're trying to use this to shift my desires, whatever, he'll do that. And he will be faithful in that. So... Like we always say, you don't have to figure out if you're going to marry the guy in the first few dates. So take your time, ask good questions, and then really ask the Lord to make this clear. He's not a God of confusion. He's Mm -hmm. a God of clarity. He does not want you to be, you know, just constantly be like, I don't have any idea what I'm supposed to do. (laughs) Like he wants to, you know, make the path clear. Maybe not the whole path, but the first, this Mm -hmm. next little bit, you know. He will be a lamp to your feet. He's not a spotlight, but he is a lamp. You're not in the dark. We have his word. Yeah, be that lamp. Exactly. Exactly. So just really, I would encourage all to ask those questions and then be in prayer about it as you do. Yes. Wonderful. Okay, Bethany, close this out. What are your takeaways My actions? Things that I have done, am doing, whatever you want to say, um, is one, going back to the just being more open, like I can do that in non- dating relationships and so I think that things like that that you know you need to work on in dating relationships I think it only sets you up for success if you put that into practice in your non-dating relationships too that's a great point kind of talking about with you we're talking about with like the conflict earlier once you have seen it done and once it's more familiar it's easier to do so it you know it puts you a step ahead for your next relationship so that's something that I've been doing um and then I think Another, talking about like communication and lining up on different things. I think I, I try now to be more forward in asking the questions I want to ask and bringing up the topics that I want to talk about with a guy that I'm interested in. Maybe we're not like dating, but from the outset, I've been more conscious of that. I have a bad habit of just waiting for him to do it. And then a little bit of me doing it as like, okay, well, I would ask this. So I'm just going to wait and see if he will, because then I'll know if that's important to him or not. Or I'll, so I impose my thoughts on his actions, which does not Mm. work too well. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I expect him to know that I want to talk about something or that something's bothering me or whatever. And then if he doesn't, then I either just think he doesn't care. You know, we just assume, oh, he doesn't care about me at all. Um... Or I will think, well, it must not be that important of an issue or he would have brought it up. So then I probably should just get over it. Or, you know, he would have brought it up if it was important. So this probably shouldn't bother me that much. Mm. Which isn't always the case. Yeah, that's true. So that's something that I have progressively, I think with each relationship, been more forthcoming with just saying what I want to say or asking what I want to ask. And I'm like, you know what, if this is the right, I mean, be kind. Don't be a jerk about it. Yes. But I'm like, I think I have just really solidified more in my mind to the point that it walks itself out that if this is the right guy, this isn't going to scare him off or it's not Mm going to, no, in the right context at the right time. Again, not second date questions. Yes. (laughs) But once you've established, okay, we are in a relationship, be more to the point. Mm -hmm. Um, So anyway, and then I think the last one, this is just more in general, kind of like the last thing we were talking about with 
knowing your type and it's not always what you need. I think I have taken from that that I have kind of just broadened my horizons a little bit in the type, quote unquote, of guy that I will entertain the idea of dating. Now, don't confuse this with there are guys beating down my door and I'm just, you know, broadening my horizons and entertaining more (laughs) suitors and, you know, the queen sitting in her chambers. No, that is not the impression I am trying to give because trust me, that is far from the case. But trying to just be more be more open to actually realizing that I don't know everything and I don't necessarily know every little thing that's best for me. Mm. Dang. So good. So good. These are, I loved, so we outlined this separately. So I like put mine in, but then I didn't read Bethany's before she got here. Well, I guess you got to read mine, but I didn't get to read yours. So it was, I think it's so cool how what we've learned is so different and what mm-hmm. we've taken, but how it all intertwines. Yeah. And I think it's just super cool that I was thinking about this morning, you know, it's going through a heartbreak is one of the hardest things ever. I'm convinced at least that I've gone through in my life and it's so devastating and it's hurtful and you're sad and Taylor Swift becomes your best friend <laughs> and you gain 10 pounds from all the Ben and Jerry's and the Oreos <laughs> and everything else. But there's just something about when, you, when you're when you out of it for a little bit and that first conversation you have with somebody who's gone through the same thing and you're like, oh, maybe that was one of the reasons why mm-hmm. I went through it. And it, you know, it's like these little winks from God that it's like, I'm sure there are 4,000 reasons why I went through this <laughs> of what I needed to learn, how I needed to grow on his side, who I was going to talk to, you know, whatever. But just those little hat tips of like, hey, I'm going to give you a glimpse into mm-hmm. there will be good that comes from this. Yeah. And so if you've just gone through a heartbreak or if you've somewhat recently gone through one, keep that in mind of, yes, it's terrible and it's a really awful thing to go through, but there will be good that comes from it. We have that promise in mm-hmm. scripture. And so don't think that, oh, this was pointless and I wasted my time and this was awful and I never want to do this again. Like there will be beauty from the ashes yes so don't, don't don't lose heart lose heart yeah and don't forget that love it i think that is the perfect place to end so we will leave you there guys with the lessons we have learned from heartbreak hopefully that encourages you hopefully it gives you some insight some some things that you can latch onto, and if you're going through that same season that will maybe give you that glimpse of okay there there is good to come out of this later um So we will leave you with that. We will be back next Wednesday with another episode. But until then, I'm Bethany. And I'm Kristen. And this is Looking for the Middle.